Hey guys, thank you for tuning into Thursday's podcast. This is Southside Scholar, and I just want to thank each and every one of you for 79 plays and for an estimated audience of 16 people. I really thank each and every one of you who has listened, who has shared my podcast, who has um, criticized my work in one way or another. I really thank you. Thank you very much. And today's topic or today's subject of discussion is, did we really end SARS? Yeah, most of us have heard about the NSAS protests that occurred in Nigeria within October and November of 2020, but here are my thoughts on the protest and SARS as a body, as a police offshoot, right? So, most of us here in Nigeria have encountered SARS in one way or another, but some of us have even procured their services. Um, yes, some people have procured procure their services. So, we've all had an encounter with SARS one way or another. True, maybe we've seen them in their white vans or their Siennas, um, their, their Toyota Siennas. And we've all heard dreadful stories about them. Most of which are true, most of which are very true. But most of us do not know... Um, the origin behind the body of SARS. Okay, some sources say that SARS was founded in 1984 under President Muhammad, under General Muhammad Buhari. Sorry, some sources say it was founded in 1992 by Simeon Danladi. That he founded in 1992, supposedly he founded um, SARS to curb the incessant robberies in Lagos State. Do it. The robberies were due to a policing gap that was that was caused by riots by police officers and military personnel after a police officer shot a military personnel in Lagos State. Yes, SARS meted out police brutality was formed. It's the, the body that meted out police brutality, sorry, was formed from the from the from the ashes of police brutality. What an irony. So, as the name implies, SARS is an acronym for Special Anti-Robbery Squad. Special Anti-Robbery Squad. So, as the name implies, they are anti-robbery, not anti-youth or anti-iPhone or anti-dreadlocks. They are special anti-robbery. Anti-robbery. So, their job was to tackle and arrest robbers, uh, even foreign robberies. But then they took a, a drastic turn to stop and search unconstitutional arrests, extrajudicial killings. Um, supposedly, they went into a, um, a fraud cleansing rampage. Yes, a fraud cleansing rampage. Their targets were mostly young men within the age of 18 to 35 that fit their stereotype. Okay, let me tell you guys their stereotype. Dreadlocks, that's one. Tattoos, that's another one. Um, iPhone, an iPhone, that's another one, and a luxurious car. Imagine that you have all these things. You're just like fresh meat for them. So, SARS, yes, the SARS, the body was a dreaded phenomenon that wreaked havoc in the hearts and minds of Nigerians. At their best, right, they were corrupt, bribe-taking police officers. At their worst, they were murderers, kidnappers, and extortionists. 
So those are their specialties, really. Taking money from young men um, who, who, who fit their description, as I've explained earlier. A few times they catch and follow armed robberies. And one funny fact about them is like, <laughs> you know these American detectives that in the movies, like, they want to interrogate their suspect using police rhetoric and um, police rhetoric and appealing to the emotions of the suspect. Well, SAS has a very crude or draculian method of getting information or to put it evidence from their suspect. They do it through a method of what's the name? Yes, torture. Yes, they call it torture. Yes where most times they are beaten, most times they are stabbed, most times they are sometimes some reports have said that they have been electrocutions. Yes, like it's 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 that bad. And sometimes they fabricate statements for their suspects to sign. So talking about the NSAS protests, talking about the NSAS protests, the NSAS protests were just like a cry. A cry to the government to do something as regards this SAS because the government has said um, several times that that they have ended SARS or supposedly um, police reformations um, in 2000 and 2006, 2009, 2010, 2012, and in 2020 again. So everybody just got fed up in 2020. Everybody just got fed up and everybody was just angry as regards SARS. So people took to the streets on the 11th of that's when the protest started after a series of heavy bombardment on twitter on twitter like that answers hashtag answers generated over 28 million tweets on twitter 28 million tweets 28 million tweets <laughs> that's something and yes and it's gained a lot of um recognition from the outside world it gained a lot of recognition from um, political, political, political juggernauts um, from celebrities, from footballers like Odion Igalo, from Marcus Rashford, um, from from political, from politicians like Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, um, several people all around the world were seriously talking about this answers, answers that the government should try and end police brutality, or fight police brutality, rather. So, well, something aside, it's just like, it was a really beautiful scene, right? Seeing Nigerians collaborate um, to raise money, um, to help for, um, for ambulance, for lawyers, for, uh, for food, for protesters. It was just really beautiful. Okay, there was one case where the feminist coven, right? They raised over $120,000 plus Bitcoin to the protest. That was really beautiful. That was really, really beautiful that um, an organization helped raise that amount of money for a protest. That was really beautiful. And the beautiful thing was that the NSAS protests, yes, the NSAS protests were not violent. The NSAS protests within the first few weeks were not violent until until it was hijacked by um, by thugs, by thugs, then they started looting and breaking into places, and it was just really awful. After that, everything just went downward from that. So, 
the NSAS protest was like it was it was one of the it was it was really how should I put it now? It was it was really um a life changing okay let's say okay a paradigm altering situation for most young Nigerians who participated in the protest. It's actually made Nigerians um, feel like they had a say. Like after being oppressed for a long while, they just stood up and they, they got fed up with the whole thing, right? They even came up with a, a Yoruba, Yoruba phrase called Surusuke. I'm not sure I pronounced it properly, but it literally translates to speak up full. Yeah, speak up full. So they were, it was, it was, it was, it was something like you, if you didn't hear about it, it was something you should go and check out, check out. Like it was really something. It was really something. It, celebrities participated. Everybody was involved from the rich to the poor. Everybody was just fighting, you know. Everybody was just protesting. Everybody had something to say. You understand? So, one of the things that sparked the October protest was the October 3, 2020 shooting of a man in front of Wetland Hotel in Hugeli Delta State, South South, Southern Nigeria, sorry. There's, uh, yes, there's nothing like South South. There's nothing like South South. It's just Southern. Southern Nigeria. They shot the guy, apparently, in front of a popular hotel in Delta State. So, you think that after that, you'd, you'd hear that um, those guys were apprehended or something. I, we never heard anything as regards to that. And two days later, the, the unit in Port Harcourt, the federal SAS unit in Portagot shot and killed a young Daniel Chibike, popularly known as Sleek. Well, everybody just got tired. Everybody just got tired. After that, that was on, the, on October 5th, everybody just got tired and the tweets started coming. The tweets then until October 11th, then we Nigerians flooded the streets in to protest. So, According to Amnesty International, a study by Amnesty International, 82 cases of abuses and extrajudicial killings from SARS from the year 2017 to 2020. 82 abuses and killings by the federal SARS. It is something that is really appalling, really. It's really appalling. So during the course of SARS, they, they are the frontliners, because they had no leader. NSAS didn't have a leader, but they were frontliners. They were frontliners. Like they demanded for five things, and which, which is the release of all arrested during the protest. A panel should be created to investigate and prosecute all reports of police misconduct, psychological evaluation and retraining of SAS officials. And they also demanded for a compensation of all those who died through police brutality. That was like the five demands of the NSAS protest. That was what the NSAS protesters, that was the, our end goal. Yes, that was our end goal. To put this, those were our own bullet points. So, until when the Nigerian government went in full um, Idi Amin on its citizens, or full Sharpville massacre 1965, in South Africa, um, they shot at unarmed protesters 
who were singing the national anthem. Yes, the Lekki massacre. It was okay. It was alleged, in quotes, after several investigations proving that the Nigerian army was at the scene of the crime. Right? They were at the scene of the crime. There were several uh, um, denials by the Nigerian army that the Nigerian army were not uh, there, that they didn't do anything. Just lying, like, just, you know, in your court, but you're still lying. Well, it's up to them to still decide if, up to them to still deny. Yeah, it's still, it's very, very painful to hear about people just dying like that. It was reported about 50 plus people were killed during that um, shootout by unknown, unknown gunmen. Mm, unknown gunmen is an appropriate term for it. So, on the 20th of October was when the Lekki massacre occurred. Lekki massacre occurred. So, prior to that time, they were removing the lights and um, the cameras around the Lekki toll gate. Yes, the Lekki toll gate. They were removing the lights and the cameras for, you know, because that's how they do in Nigeria now. When it is evening, you remove the cameras and the um, the lights, you know, because we are very stupid that we don't know that you're removing it because you want to do something deadly. Well, it was very funny because they were singing the national anthem and they really believe that if you're singing the national anthem, that a, an army or someone who is in the military can't shoot. Hmm. Well, I've not really heard about when somebody where in a situation where an, um, a military officer wants to shoot and you just start singing the national anthem, all of them will just stand at attention. If that was what's happening, or if that's, that's, that's the whole thing, then if Boko Haram wants to like flush the Nigerian army, they will just sing the national anthem and the Nigerian army will just... It's, it's not so. It's not so. Especially in this part of the world. Even if there was something like that, it's, it doesn't apply here because... <laughs> because there are some unforeseen circumstances. So, firstly, the, the blame of the Lekki shooting fell to the Lagos State Governor, Babajide Sanwolu, but he said that they were, let me use his, his words, forces beyond his own control, right? Forces beyond his own control. Hmm, we wonder who that is. So, the CNN actually did a very insightful investigation as regards where the Nigerian army was, um, how fast they could have gotten there and how fast they would have done their deed and they would have left it. You should go and check it out. Um, the CNN um, of the United States actually did a good investigation as regards that. So it was it was really it was really um it was really disgusting if it's if it's actually done by the Nigerian by the Nigerian army. It's it's really disgusting and callous to send if that's true to send soldiers who are meant to protect the country from external aggression and internal insurrection. Mind you, internal insurrection, not protests. Peaceful protests, internal insurrection. To start shooting at the same people they were meant to defend. It's, it's, it's ironic. I don't, everything about this country is just ironic. It's really ironic for uh, for the Nigerian army, supposedly, if they did it, to open fire at 
protesters whilst they were singing the national anthem. It's just really callous and heartless. So, whilst the Constitution of the Federal Republic of Nigeria gives the right to peaceful assembly, well, you only have peaceful assembly when you're pro-government. If you're anti-government or if you don't support a particular bill headed by the government, that right will be taken away from you because Nigeria can give you rights when they want to and take them when they want to. It's not, it's, it's not inalienable. It's just the way it is. So after um, the whole thing went down, it took about, so from the beginning of the protest to um, when the president of Muhammadu Buhari addressed Nigerians, it took about a week or two before he addressed Nigerians. You'd be surprised how a president would take about a week or two before he can address this, it's his citizens, right? The people who he came there to serve. It, it's, it's really funny. Well, in as much as, as the whole thing went down, I'm in support of the protests. I'm in support of the protests, right? I'm in support of fighting against police brutality in whatever form. I'm in support of standing for your rights, and I'm in support of demanding good governance, right? But then, I really think we did not defeat, and we did not defeat SARS. Why? I don't really think, I don't really see SARS as a body alone. I see SARS as a virus. I see, I see SARS like a mindset, right? that has permeated through most of the minds of Nigerians. Then it, is, it, is, it, it has permeated through their minds and it has, had, it has gained a stronghold on their minds and the way they think, the way they reason, right? So like, when you give the average Nigerian power, he does two things. He either does it, uses it for good or he uses it to oppress or to exploit people, right? He uses it to oppress or to exploit people. You see people when they are in office, they tend to treat people like trash. They tend to talk to people like, like they are nothing. Or it's just that it is, it is a much more um, subtler way than that of SARS in some government parastatals, in civil agencies, even, even in schools. Even in schools, you see... You see, you see um, admin officers taking out their frustration on students. Like, they are the ones that actually pay you. You should tend to treat them with respect and at least just give them that dignity of their human person, right? So, SARS, the SARS mentality is just found in each or in most government of institutions. Most government institutions, you can find the SARS virus there. You see where somebody tries to exploit or tries to impose his own will on another person, take what doesn't belong to them, right? You can see it in almost every facet of the Nigerian system. You understand? So that virus is still there. So ending SARS, ending SARS was just like cutting off a branch from a tree. If you cut off a branch from a tree, there's every possibility that that tree will still thrive. It will still, it will still go on. But then... The best place that we should have that we should fight this problem because the SS protest was not a mistake. It was not a mistake. We started something at least. 
at least we started something. But I really think we did not address the root problem, really. I didn't really think we did not address the root problem, really. When I was talking about this SARS virus thing, I said something about exploitation and um, imposing your will on another person based on because of the power you have now. I read a book where it says don't exercise power because it is easy to earn. Okay, it's Omerta. Um, Don Raymond April told his daughter that do not exercise power, right? Because it's easy to your hand. That's one very strong quote I I picked up from that book. So when you end SARS, right? You ended SARS. The Nigerian government ended SARS. But few days later, they created another body to um let's say, to cover the gap that SARS created. They call it Special Weapons and Tactics, SWAT. So I asked myself a question. Are these SWAT officers, like, specially trained? Or they are, um, they were trained abroad? Because it's still police officers they are bringing into this system, into this new SARS. It is still the same method of recruitment. It is still the same standards of recruitment. It is still the same procedures just a different name. And SWAT may just be like another form of SARS. You understand? SWAT may just be like that. There's a good chance they may be like that. So, like, because SARS came from an atmosphere of police brutality. SARS came from an atmosphere of police brutality. And now another agency is coming from that same atmosphere. I mean, doing the same thing the same way and expecting a different result is just what Albert Einstein would call madness. Okay, insanity rather, because it's just it's just still the same thing. It's still the same thing, right? I think this country needed needs to be properly assessed and just properly um, dissected bit by bit. Let's just find the root problem because I think the root problem is just in our extractive political institutions and the ignorance ravaging this nation. A good number of of um, northerners are not educated. The illiteracy problems majorly are coming from the north and some part of the south. So I think we should really fight this ignorance problem because the more educated or the more enlightened a society, the less crime you see, or the less um, um, cases of police brutality you see. In countries like Canada, when last did you hear of this brutality? Canada is not perfect. Canada has her own flaws. But then, Canada is a very enlightened country. A good number of Canadians are educated. Right? So, like, the Nigerian government, the, the system of Nigeria is just based on connection. It's just based on connections, really. Just be, if you if you don't know somebody, nothing for you. I was I once watched uh, where a popular um, news channel was talking about the NIM process, national identification number. Um, a man said that he has been standing there for since around six a.m. and that was four p.m. That what they do there is they take they cherry pick some people that they already know and take them inside and do this for them 
and let the other people wait there. I like I said, this is just the problem, right? This is just the real problem because there's this strong sense of disunity. Very strong. Like disunity is very strong. Sometimes I have to ask myself, you don't have to do I do you have to be re- from where I'm from before you are my brother or my sister? Because I, I when we are filling forms, our nationality comes first, then our ethnicity ethnicity, sorry, comes second. That's how it's meant to be. We are all Nigerians first. We are all Nigerians first. You, you, most times you see Americans say, I'm proudly American, right? But you Nigerians, you see, I'm proudly Yoruba, I'm proudly Hausa, I'm proudly Igbo, I'm plou- proudly Calabari. I'm pr- it's just, it's just, the disunity is just very apparent. It's just very apparent and it doesn't want to change. Because I've not, I've not seen a river, um, okay, a company owned by a river's man. The company is owned by somebody from River State, and the head of the company is from Sokoto. I have not seen. Maybe they are, but I have not seen or heard or read about it. So, like, there is this strong disunity between Nigeria, between Nigerians. Like, they have this, they have this, uh, like, the their ethnic ties are just so strong that anybody from outside is just viewed as incompetent. You understand? Let it just be my brother that is there. Let it just be my sister that is there. Even if they are poor at the job, let it just be my brother. This is like the thought of the average Nigerian most of the time. So, I think fighting police brutalities is just fighting the symptoms of a disease. Right? You're just fighting the symptoms of a disease. You're not fighting the actual disease itself. You fight your... your, you're fighting an effect of a problem rather than the cause. You're fighting the effect. Police brutality, um, government flouting constitutional promises, um, constitutional um, enactments, um, like the insecurity, the, um, the exploitation and degradation of humans. It just... Um, it's, it's, a, it's an effect of an extractive political institution and ignorance. You understand? It's that's the cause: ignorance and extractive political institution. Then the effects are all these things we see in Nigeria today. So we should fight illiteracy. More ways than others, we should fight illiteracy in any form, and we should fight monopoly in any kind, any kind or any sort. It rears its head, ethnic, social, political, from the roots. Um, that that is the primary education, the secondary education, and even the university, because that's where you even catch a glimpse of what the demonic activities or the demonic acts that secular politicians do, because they don't just become wicked from um, maybe when they are local government chairman. They, most times they have run uh, ran for sorry ran for political poli- positions in school, and they ended up just. Reiterating what the Nigerian secular government does in the large, in the global scene, right? So, a better Nigeria should start from a more inclusive and an educated Nigeria. I really thank each and every one of you for listening. If you like my content, share it to your friends and family. And you can follow me on Twitter at Southside Scholar. Thank you for 79 listens again. I really love you guys a lot. And it really means a lot. See you all next time. Stay safe.